What becomes the most frustrating thing for a creative is your expectation. What way can I have stamina, endurance, and sustainability? You know, I want to create legacy, and legacy is not something that happens overnight, but it is something that we pour into every single day. And I think that if you keep that mindset where you go, people are here with good intentions because I'm here with good intentions, then it can let you show up. Trying to create new experiences and also find new ways to be in environments that you bring new eyes to it. For you as someone who's creating content all of the time, mm -hmm. how do you find a way of creating something new? I think it's trying to create new experiences and also find new ways to be in, in environments that you bring new eyes to it. So I'll give you an example. I go on walks in my neighborhood and I used to just go take the walk and I would get frustrated that I wanted to share more content. And I was like, I am really influenced by this space. It's gorgeous. But I used to do the same walk every single day. And then I said, okay, what if I go a street over? Now that content is new content because it's new for me and I'm excited about it. And then it's something that I can share with the people that are, I feel like on that journey with. So it's being okay, surrendering to giving yourself, gifting yourself new experience for something that's already there. I love that. So with the amount of content that you're creating all the time, to me, sometimes it feels because it's personal. It's like my personal page, but it's not really personal. Mm -hmm. And I'm posting and posting and posting. And part of me feels like, well, people must be tired of seeing me with these cool pictures all the time. And like, they must think that I think of myself that I'm this big shot and all of this. And I'm still a person. Like I still have shitty days. Yeah. I, I struggle with money and time management and eating healthy and all that. In your case, I think it's even more amplified because you are a person that is creating content about health and beauty and being more connected and so many things that are around that higher level way of living. How do you bring that down and still feel okay with yourself and not struggle like I don't know if you struggle I sleep at night <laughs> yes. well I, th I think that I guess in fairness like I wasn't raised in an environment in which that was my truth so I originally am from Modesto California and this was an area that when every year would come out where were the 10 worst places to live in the U.S. where I'm from was number two and so my parents always would tell us it's like how do you bring truth to something? And so my truth isn't that everything is always beautiful, but my truth is that I will find something that is beautiful and I try not to make assumptions for your audience. That's what I would say. Like really trust that. I like to think that my audience and community, they have good intentions for me like I have for them. And if I trust that the person watching isn't there to be hateful or spiteful, um, that they'll appreciate that I'm taking time out of my day to share something with them so that there's beauty in theirs too. And I think that that sometimes can be a challenge because we want to make assumptions for people. 
who am I to say what you're going to feel looking at my story? All I can do is this is something that I am moved by and I hope that I can share it so that you can be moved by it too. But I don't get to decide how you feel about that. I don't get to decide if you then make it mean, oh, she thinks she's always in beautiful environments and oh, she doesn't have those challenging days. I hope that the content that I create starts a conversation and people do. They will DM me and say, have you always been positive? Have you always lived in this sort of environment? And it's like one street over is, you know, Brentwood and the other street over is West LA and it doesn't look like that. And I think that what you can find um, tr honest is that I'll try to still find over in West LA the thing that resonates because there's something beautiful there too. And I think that if you keep that mindset where you go, people are here with good intentions because I'm here with good intentions, then it can let you show up without That's the judgment. Awesome. That's amazing. So how do you deal with having all these big ambitions and you want to create all the things that you want to create and still feel like, because you're not there yet, mm -hmm. and as a creator, I, I, that's something that happens to me sometimes, like I see other people and I, I know where I want to be, but I'm not there yet. How do you deal with that and get yourself to keep creating and keep going after what you want, even when you're so far from, from that goal? Yeah, I think it's like, really finding rituals and things that help you practice mindfulness because we all have those thoughts that drift. Like I can open Instagram and see somebody book a series regular role or somebody get announced to be a host for a talk show. And I have those moments where I drift and I start thinking in a lack mindset and I go, Oh my goodness, like I should have done this or I can't believe they're there or, and I have those moments and I always like to think of it like a buoy. The buoy is always going to drift, but mindfulness, Practice will help you bring the booty back. So what's a specific mindful practice? Mm -hmm. Like something very like... Yeah, like my, my thing is I always try to harness my breath. So the first thing that I notice when I start to feel uneasy about what am I doing with my life? I should already be here. I start really breathing really shallow. And that is the first thing that affects my nervous system. Mm -hmm. So I literally just go like come to your breath. And I just like literally take a deep inhale and then an exhale. Because your breath is such... I would say like a North Star, it's one of the first things that helps you come back to the moment. And I learned that being in a hospital. Like when my father was ill, they would come in and say, oh my gosh, we have to go into emergency surgery. We don't know what this is going to look like. And so I would say, people would say, well, let's just, you know, just focus on the day. But the day was way too big. And anyone who's ever been in a traumatic environment realizes that it is breath by breath. It is the only thing that you have. And if you've ever been in that type of adversity, you know, okay, I have to harness just my breath. And it's the thing that wherever you are, if you're alive, you have it. Mm -hmm. So it's not like anything external. I always try to make it something that I can control and that's something I'm responsible for. And so it's never like in this given circumstance, if I don't have my favorite this with me, it's always like where you are and your breath is something that if you're alive, you have it. Use yeah. it. So you were talking about being an actress and wanting to do all of these things, and then you see other people doing that. Tell me about that that struggle, because mm -hmm. I think as a filmmaker, I have that, but at least I can go out and like make something to make me feel closer to what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But for actors, 
and I have a lot of actor friends, it's really hard. Like, I don't know how you guys stay motivated to yeah. keep wanting to be an actor when you're not doing the thing that you want to do. Yeah, I think that I heard this something once that, you know, what you're doing, if you think of it as like, it's a verb, it's a, it is an action, but that's not who you are. And so it's like, I want to be a vessel to tell stories. And sometimes that might be on a TV show. And sometimes that might be in a podcast. Sometimes it might be in this moment. Um, and so if you go, what is my true intention? And my true intention is to show up and use the skills that you know, God or the universe gave me um, to be of service, then I want that. And so it's really hard. Sometimes you have to surrender to the vessel that you use to do it. And it's so hard. It is a challenge. I would be lying if I didn't say that I have moments where I am crying or freaking out. And I, I specifically remember, I always thought that I want to do, when they ever they do the remake for X-Men, I want to play Storm. Like, I knew I'm Storm. Okay. I will never, ever forget the day I read on Deadline that Alexandra Ship got cast as Storm. I fell on the ground, literally collapsed, like crying. And was like, my whole thing is over. Like, I knew I should have done this earlier. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, that, she, that was part of her mission or and she was meant to well, be that. Well, maybe mission. she didn't even want that. And maybe not. And so you go like, okay, like, that's not for you. That's not for you. And so you get back to doing the work. And I think also just keep people around you that help remind you. Um, I have a creative partner, Jordan. And any time that I feel like I'm slipping in this way, like I'll go to those, those people that I trust and I love and I care about. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was supposed to be me in this project. And they're like, yo, like chill, <laughs> like relax. And so if it's not you, it's keep a system that helps you remind you of what your your vision is and what your purpose is and that doesn't have a timeline i don't think i struggle with that a lot because i want to do a lot and i always felt that i'm not doing enough even when my calendar is full i have plenty of projects that i haven't finished yet so that's something that definitely i need to work on and i guess it's probably something that you're always going to be balancing uh, yeah. like how much you take on versus what you really want to do yeah, and, and in that note, it's also continually finding ways to remind yourself that your worth is not connected to that productivity. Because sometimes we think, if we fill up my calendar and my schedule, that my heart is going to be filled up that's, too. That's hard for me. That one's hard for me. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you intrinsically are enough and you don't need the project to be valid in who you are. Are you sure? Yeah. But I want to do the project. Yeah. And you can do the project, but the project getting done or not is not connected to you being valuable. And so like my dad always taught me this was sport because he grew up as an athlete. He played football at UCLA and I was always a really good athlete. And he would always tell me, if you blew your knee tomorrow, you have value. That one's hard. And so if you go, I'm valuable because I'm a really great content producer and I want to be an amazing chief content officer. And then one day you can't do that. So my father also taught me your value is in you recognizing that it's the intangibles that you carry every single day.
your kindness, your loyalty, your integrity. And those are things that you can control and those things don't have to be changed by any circumstance. And so when you're thinking about filling up your calendar, it's not let me put all these other things on it so that I feel enough. It's I am enough and so let me pick things that support that belief. And it doesn't really work the other way. You must understand that in order to serve the projects that you want to work. And it also is a belief that like have time, but we also want to create urgency. But I think as a creative person, and you're someone who has like really audacious goals, and it's like, I don't have to do everything all at once. And that takes a, a wisdom and a patience. And it's something that you have to harness every single day, you know, because that fear keeps yeah. popping up, I'm sure, a lot. Yeah, I think that, that would be really tricky for me because the approach that I take is you should commit to everything, even if you cannot do all of it, because that will take the best out of you and it will push you to go beyond what you think is possible. Mm -hmm. Everything with measure, because something that I value is like if I commit to something, I have to do it. Mm -hmm. So I don't like committing to something that I, I won't do. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that we leave a lot on the table. Mm -hmm. And there's probably five more things that you could get done this week if you bring that sense of urgency to it and align that with your goal. Now, I'm not talking about just do things to do. Yeah. You have to pick, and the things that you are doing, you have to be really selective. But I always think you can push for more, bigger and stronger, and, mm -hmm. and try to go for that. But I agree with you is, I, I should not go all the way on that, so maybe finding a balance where the two ideas can play in harmony. Yeah, and I think that like I like to think about it as like, what way can I have stamina, endurance, and sustainability? And so for me, you know, I want to create legacy. And legacy is not something that happens overnight, but it is something that we pour into every single day. And so I think that you are able to take those projects on and have been, but there has been a refining and a polishing. And there might be things that you might not be aware of that you have done to become better at those things and move. But like you've taken time to create systems that help you take on more projects yeah. that help you, you know, educate yourself in that way and go, oh, I can um, delegate this thing so that I can step into that. And it's not to say that you aren't, um, you know, aggressive in your pursuits. But I do think that in anything, it does require uh, maturity to say this thing, if it's going to be a long thing, is going to require that we take strategic pauses and that we are thoughtful with what we show up for and how we show up for it. Mm -hmm. Because there is burnout and there is, um, there comes a point in which it's like, you're exhausted and I want to enjoy that. Like, I want to enjoy that process. I don't want to be at the point where I'm constantly in a deficit, although deficit sometimes produces incredible creativity. But I do think that ultimately, I want to be able to, like, remember what I was doing while I was doing it. And that, to me, is like, design helps me do that. It helps me slow down and pay attention to like this fabric and this texture so that I'm not sitting here thinking about what's for dinner and what am I doing tomorrow. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I have that opportunity to sit down with Axel and I don't remember any of it. And so I think that when we look at our lives, we want those memories and I want those memories to be colorful and layered and dynamic and I want to be present. And so if you can have presence for each of those things that you're doing, amazing. 
at the moment in which you're no longer present because you're hanging out with, you know, a wife, a partner, a child, and you're not there, I like, I'm, I'm out. That's not for me. I don't want that. Because I don't want anyone to get, like, half versions of me for everything. I want to be all the way here, like I am right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you were talking about design, and you're someone that I really respect your taste and the aesthetics that you bring to every project that you make, and just the way that you live your life, like the way you have your stories and everything that you post. So tell me a little bit more about that. What do you look into? How do you judge a room when you're setting up for a shot or if you're doing a photo shoot? How do you, I'm not so interested about where do you get your inspiration yeah. from? Because like that, that's not a problem, mm -hmm. I, I don't think. I think for creative people, the problem is maybe narrowing it down to exactly what it is that you need and how do you filter what fits and what doesn't. When you're doing a shoot? Yeah. I, you know, I... I have this thing that I've been playing with this last year, which is this idea that I like to, um, whether it's an environment, uh, a product, or people, I want to be able to leave them as is to the best of my ability. So if I'm in an environment, I try to pick an environment that I feel best in, that I can leave as is. I will make small modifications, but it's like, and I guess maybe I'll use a different example of this. We've all maybe gone on a date or dated a person and we're like, oh, well, we like this thing, but if they were just like this different type of person, if they actually thought this way or behaved this thing, then I would really, and I go, okay, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to go and say this person exactly as they are, that's what I want and that's what I want to show up for. And I try to do that with design. So like, can you see something in its truth and say, in its truth, that's what I really love. And so I try to find environments that help you say, you're not having to try to control as much. Then it allows you to be more free and actually pour into the content and pour into the conversation. Finding ways and places that help you feel where you don't have to try to control as much, but it means that you're doing a little bit more work in the beginning. Yeah, that's kind of hard for me to sound like. <laughs> I like that approach, but I'm also thinking, how can I control this? And like, if I close my eyes, how would I envision it? And then conform reality to my vision. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my approach. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that you're thinking at it, you're thinking about it in a different way where you're trying to let reality be, and I guess pick a version of that reality that matches your vision without forcing it too much? Well, because sometimes I feel that what becomes the most frustrating thing for a creative is your expectation. And so when you're constantly trying to manipulate something, you have an expectation that you're also battling. So now there's the actual reality of the space and then your expectation of the space. And I like to say that in my very nature of it, I'm lazy like that. So I want to be in an environment where I have to exert less energy to have to overcome the reality of that environment and my expectations. So if I can come to the expectation and say, this is what it is and this works, that to me helps me create a more seamless environment to create. I bet, that sounds a lot easier. It can be and it's also more work in the beginning. Don't you get the little OCD of like this doesn't, this doesn't match, this color doesn't look right, this 
picture should be like this. I don't look well this uh, with this angle and that angle. I try to be more um, thoughtful with with this space proactively so that I don't have to do that in the shot. You know, like if you go into an, an environment, and I say that it doesn't need to be big. Like I might have a corner in my house that I love that corner, and that's where I'm going to go. And so it might not be that you have the full space and capacity at which you want it, but you have something that you love. Go right there and lean into that area that you love and build from there. Expand from there. And then you go, okay, so I, you say, this whole neighborhood might not be the exact vibe that I like, but this corner or this corner house, I feel great here. And so I'm going to go there and then I'll start to attract other areas and environments that speak to me in this way. And you'll start to pay attention to the qualities that that space has. So I start to look at, you know, what's the lighting or what are the textures that they're using in that environment. And then you realize, just like when you're driving around and you have a car that you wanted and now you start to recognize that car, design is the same way. So if I, in the beginning, you know, loved, I remember now, we see this a lot with design, people really love travertine. But that was like something that I was drawn to. I had a roommate who was from Italy, who was from Rome, and I went to Europe and I was like, oh my goodness, I feel really peaceful when I'm in this like kind of beige aesthetic and this stone and there's the history here. I can find that in places now that I couldn't before. Because so, I guess your brain now is looking for that. Yeah, it's looking for it. It's just like, how can I pay attention and be present to what I love? And now I'll start to find more of what I love. Now, when you were talking about that, I was thinking, you're also a model. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that editing mm -hmm. of the image, which in this case is your own personal image? And I have to imagine that there's a lot of work in there with not being attached to a certain image, that I should look this way or be this way, but I'm being paid to look this way. <laughs> And yeah. I should look this way. You also do a lot of work with fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Tell me a little bit about that. Because something that I have found, the more I talk to women, the more I find that a lot of women have insecurities. Mm -hmm. And even when they are stunning, when you get to talk to them about that and they're honest with you, they don't feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, that's, this is a tragedy. Like, yeah. you're amazing. How don't you see that you're so beautiful, like the way we all see you? I think that men also have that also, but women are more vocal about it um, because there's space for those conversations for us to be vulnerable about it. And it reinforces programming. When we are distracted by paying attention to showing up based on appearance, it keeps a lot of women out of rooms. And I think that some of that has been intentional and some of it has not. And so it is work that I constantly have to challenge and I do have insecurities and I do have things that I try to recognize. How much of that thought belongs to you and where did you hear that? Because I know for me, as someone who was an athlete, a collegiate athlete, I had a specific body type that helped me perform a skill at a really high level. But I didn't see that body type in magazines and on television. And I still notice that I walk in front of the mirror and think, oh gosh, I, I wonder what I would look like if I was more of an editorial build than someone. And so those, those things are there. But 
what is me is my observation of that moment. That's what's true. What isn't true is you're this or that. What's true is I recognize that you feel this way. And, and now I'm going to let that pass. So I don't try to not have those moments. I just try to recognize them and then let them pass. But they're there. And I don't know if they'll ever go away because I do think it's something that we constantly are reinforced by and rewarded by. And I remember in college studying uh, persuasion and watching case studies where people would walk into a room and, and they, people thought they were more qualified because they looked a certain way. And I understand the privilege of that commercialization. I do. Yeah, so it's think, something that works, and yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of that. Yeah. Like, I really don't like when people try to say, oh, we need to yeah, destroy like you're that going and to bring feel that, that way. Yeah. Our brains work like mm -hmm. that. Like, we were just having a conversation yes. on yeah. camera, like, oh, aesthetics don't matter. So, well, if they don't matter, then we wouldn't be attracted to beautiful people. We wouldn't like beautiful food. We wouldn't like beautiful buildings. Like, it matters. Yes. And then the question is, you know, what have you been taught is beautiful, and what do you think is beautiful? I love that. And I'm still playing with what that is. Because I think a lot of things that you find beautiful, you've been taught that those things are beautiful. I, so, I think I disagree. You think that you think so? I think so. I, th I think I agree with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like in my case, be yeah. in my case, because I didn't grow up in America, I wasn't looking at the magazines and I wasn't, we didn't have a specific like this is what beautiful women should look like or this is what beautiful guys should look like. It's almost like it's already built in. But I do see, see that there is a difference because like, for example, for me growing yeah, up... What did you, I was going to say, like, what did you yeah. see then? And, and for you and where you're from, what was the commerci commercialization of what was beautiful? For us, for example, yeah. more meat, better. <laughs> Because, I don't know, it's like if everyone was skinny, like being skinny was not good. Because it meant you didn't have that much money, you didn't have that much food. So being really skinny was never like the thing. If you were too skinny, that wasn't attractive. If you were a little bit more built, it was better. I don't know why. Then I come to America <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're supposed to be super skinny. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. I think in my case personally, I have a wide range. Like I enjoy different beauties, and I'm talking with uh, women, with food, with like music and art. Like I have a wide range of the things that I like, so I can see beauty in a lot of different things. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. But I know that some people have a very specific like this is what should be, and like this is not. Yeah, like, and I think like you know. The beauty is in the curiosity and it not having to be um, defined in that way. So being able to pay attention to things and, and find things that you gravitate towards in either of those things or the variety of those things, I think is really a gift. You know, I don't think it's this way is the way or this isn't the way. To me, what's stunning is when you can find what works for you within any of those things. And so that is what I try to practice. So I try to practice whether that's in my own life with my weight or body fluctuating, um, given the context that I can appreciate that. So I know at the top of the pandemic, people were really concerned with their body image and they still are navigating that. And it's like, can you keep a, 
an approach that understands that your body was doing that as a survival mechanism because we were in the middle of trauma globally. And can you think that that is stunning? And so it's like, okay, how can I keep this approach that is informed to the context and keeps me curious? And so if I can do that, then I'm gorgeous. Like that, that's what I hope, you know, that you can keep coming back to those moments. How do you choose to live a life at the highest level? I think as long as I am learning, like learning is something that has to be at the very top of that. Um, and that I am applying that information with other people. Like I think connection and learning and has to be threaded together. I want to be able to like take in inputs and then use them and apply them, but also it has to be shared. And so for me, it's, a combination of like, how can you expand your worldview and then find ways to bring that into the things that you do daily and then find people that you can share that with.